Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Are you someone who likes to know everything about everything, or do you get analysis paralysis and have trouble making decisions? Have you ever had the realization that trying to get every little detail figured out before starting wasn't worth it in the end? To offer some context to this, Pastor Jim talks about the time you are living in right now. Everything that has happened since the beginning of the New Testament is new information. So don't let unknown details keep you from living for Jesus today. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he continues his message, Guarding the Gospel in a Modern World. People say to me, meet me at the door, and they're like, well, I prayed with you today to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Am I saved now? And I go, we'll see. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who, who God does the miracle of the new birth. I have no idea what's going on in people's lives or people's hearts or anything like that. But the fact that people have difficulty understanding that shows you the power of spiritual blindness. Because if, if just think about this for a second. If you went to heaven by, going, by being a good person, why in the world would God send his one and only most beloved son to be bludgeoned on a cross for you? It makes absolutely no sense. You're smart people. We have to use some logic with people and, and just say that to people. If that was the way, why would God do that? It would make no sense at all. And so the people debate, is salvation of you by being a good person or of the Lord? The Bible is crystal clear. It is only of the Lord. So let your feelings follow the facts. People have various feelings about things, but we need to let it follow the facts. Because when it comes to salvation, God is the initiator. He is the one who initiates it. Human effort cannot obtain the gift of of salvation. That's why we need to tell people the story, and that is basic Christianity. If you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe any of this stuff, this is basic Christianity 101. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some people don't like what I just said. Some people don't. I'm looking around to see who doesn't. No, I'm not, okay? Some people don't, don't like that. I love it. I love it. You say, why would you love it? Because it gives me peace and assurance that my salvation depends on Jesus, not me. <laughs> like I, That to me is like, where are you going to get a better deal than that? Right? He takes the punishment. I get his righteousness. He takes the punishment. I get heaven. That's like, there's, there's nothing better than that. It's a free gift that we, and I don't even like the word accept. I like the word we just receive it. We just receive it. There's nothing we don't, I, like, oh, I'll accept that. No, I don't. I'll just receive it. Just, just give it to me, Lord, please. And so it depends upon him. Now, some false teachers, and this is always at the back of a lot of the Apostle Paul's letters, they get your eyes off of being saved by grace. A lot of you have come from churches, both in our church and those that we hear from, where you're just taught that it's all about what you do. It's all about what you do. That is not true. That is not true. Do we serve the Lord out of motivated by grace and gratitude for what he's done for us? Absolutely, 100%. 
but we don't get to heaven by what we do. And some people are constantly walking on eggshells, like if I make a mistake, right? I knew this guy, he used to always say to me, hey, Jim, how you doing? Are you still saved? I said, yeah. And he completely fell away from the Lord, completely fell, because he always felt like he was messing up all the time, and God was so mad at him all of the time, he could never rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, do we sin? Yes. But what did 1 John 1, 9 tell us? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What, do you think he's lying to you about that? God wouldn't say it if he was lying. He just wouldn't say it, right? And so we don't want to call God a liar. So some false teachers get your eyes off being saved by grace. Other false teachers get your eyes off of holiness, And holiness is the life being saved by grace produces. Now, again, we are progressively, it's called progressive sanctification. We are progressively becoming more like Jesus. It's something that God's working out over time. And even right now, you don't even see it right now, that right now God is working something inside of each and every one of us, even right now. I find it even sometimes when I'm teaching the Bible. If I say stuff, and a lot of times people, most of the time when people meet me at the door, they're like, oh, when you said this, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't plan to say that. Yeah, all the stuff that, and, and, and just say it. So God's even teaching me as I'm going along. Sometimes I say stuff, and I'm like, I hope that was right. But while God's eternal plans can be a bit difficult to understand, look at what it says in verse 10. It's been revealed in the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, the appearing. Notice he didn't say the birth. He said the appearing, now that could be the rising from the dead, but the appearing of Jesus Christ has revealed and made God's plan more accessible to us. So you may read like some of the stuff in the epistles and the letters of the apostles. You're like, I don't get that. I don't understand that. What's he talking about that? This Sunday, we're going to come across one of the funniest verses to me in the entire Bible, but I'm going to save it for, for Sunday. But uh, just I have a story with that uh, when I began in ministry. But not really. When I began in like this pastoral kind of gig thing. But God's eternal plans can be difficult. But again, he's revealed them and made them accessible to us through Jesus Christ. So if you want to know more about what God is like, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know about God's plans, read the words of Jesus, right? Listen to what he says, but just don't read the red letters. Read in the context of what he is, in fact, saying. And so he's been revealed to us through Jesus. We would also say that what was in the mind of God has now been made a reality to us in terms of our salvation. But that's even now. That means that you can enjoy your salvation now. Sometimes I, you know, you know I've said this before, you see Christians and they barely crack a smile. I remember years ago, we had this client in my trucking company and they were from this kind of strange Christian kind of group and they were... Like, they never cracked a smile, you know? And finally, the guy calls me into the office. I own the company, and he, and he says to me, um, you guys have the best service we've ever had in our lives. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm thankful for that. Thank you so much. And he said, and uh, we'd love to give you all of our business. And I said, we'd love to take it. <laughs> and he said, I only got two things that I, that I object to. And I said, what? And he said, 
I would like your drivers to have their hair a certain length and no tattoos. I said, it's been nice knowing you, brother. <laughs> All right. I said, I will not. I, there, I said, there's a line. There's a, I have a red line in certain things, and you just crossed one of them. So if you want us to serve you, we will. Okay. But he goes, well, some of them don't seem like they're Christians. I go, they're all not. That's why they're in my company, right? Because they're there for me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people that work for me in the way that I am with them. And he was like, well, we can't deal with you. I go, it doesn't matter. I just fired you as a client, right? <laughs> right? It doesn't really matter. But some of the people are just so miserable. So we can enjoy our salvation now as well as look forward to the completion of our salvation when Jesus returns. So what ha- where are we now? We live in the in-between. We live in the in-between. So enjoy the in-between. I know some of you can't enjoy the in-between. You have to know everything. Some of you like, you know, you don't like surprises. You don't like anything. People, people are like, I wish the Bible told us more about heaven. I don't. I love the fact that the Apostle Paul goes, yeah, I went there. What was it like, Paul? I... <laughs> it's like, I can't have, a, you know, I can't, I have no words for it, right? I can't even, there's no words to explain what I saw. Now, I know these other people, they write these books and people go buy them because they can tell you everything that they saw. But the Apostle Paul's like, no, I don't, nothing, nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it at all. Isaiah goes up there, the best writer, maybe in the Bible, linguistically, definitely in the Old Testament. I mean, the guy is a beautiful wordsmith, and he goes, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, he just gets up there, and he's, he can't believe what he's seeing up there. And so now the Apostle Paul paints a picture to us in verse 10 of Jesus, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, the one who's divinely anointed by God to save and reveal God. And look at the end of verse 10, who has abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the first coming of Jesus Christ, because of the cross and resurrection, right? he defeated, he put out of business, he rendered ineffective death for a follower of Jesus. Remember we said Sunday, what we call death, because it doesn't, we never really die as Christians, but what it is is death is the word that's used because it's what the world knows, is what the world experiences, And so we saw in 1 Corinthians 15 that spiritual death is defeated when our spirit, some people say soul, I don't like to get into that thing, that's another discussion for another day, when our spirit or our soul departs our body, okay, so we go absent from the body, present with the Lord, and then what about our physical body? We are reunited with that at the second coming. This is what we call, we say this all the time and already but not yet, and Jesus has already destroyed death but it is not yet fully realized by a follower of Jesus until the second coming. I want to make sure we all understand that. He has destroyed it already, but it has not yet been fully realized by us, and it will be fully realized. It has been somewhat realized now. It's in the books, but I will come at a later date when at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So again, it's important to remember that what we call death is a beautiful thing for a follower of Jesus. Now, we grieve, right? Not as those without hope, it says in the Bible. We grieve, but let us remember something very, very important about what we call death. This is the way that God brings his children home. This is the way God brings us to himself. 
And so this is nothing that we need to fear. Now, I'm not saying we don't fear the process. I know most of us would kind of like it if, you know, just the Lord came back and, come on, let's go, right? Or you just, one, one day, you just close your eyes, and the next day you wake up, you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm with Jesus. This is awesome, right? But no need to actually fear death itself. The Apostle Paul says Christ abolished death, yet he says he brings life and immortality through the gospel, Perhaps the Apostle Paul is raising these points to increase Timothy's confidence. Because remember we said last week, he's going to need it when Paul's gone. He leans heavily on the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is definitely the Bible answer man. He's got all the answers. He's got all the wisdom. He knows what to do. He's going to really need it after Paul is gone. But he also wants to raise our confidence level too. He wants us to be ready when he uses these terms, life and immortality through the gospel. He wants us to be confident. How? By reminding us that life, we might call it new life, and immortality is ours now and also is what awaits us beyond this life. Now, what happens when you hear that? You know, we get so desensitized sometimes to some of this stuff that we hear. Some people are like, oh, next first, Pastor Jim. And some people just want to serve the Lord. It's not re- I find there's not much of a reaction in between. And so we, when we consider what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ, what is our reaction? Some people hide their faith. I understand the situations where there's, it's difficult to do that. By the way, if you're on a job, you're not being paid to talk about Jesus on your job. It's as simple as that. You're not. Now, if you want to talk with a coworker during lunch hour or after work, different story. Different story. Just make sure you pay for lunch. Right? <laughs> right? But we're not paid to do that. Now, that's the advantage of some of you. You own your own business. So your time, you know, that's the way it goes. So that's why when I own my own business, I would tell people about Jesus. And I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't tell my employees, well, listen, I'm chewing your ear off talking to you about Jesus. Uh, make sure you clock out while we're talking about this. I wouldn't do that to them, right? But if I was on the clock working for someone else, and I would have to make other adjustments because they were paying me, and I wouldn't want to be a, a bad witness in that way. And so some of us hide it. Some of us tell others how Jesus came to destroy death, which was the result of sin, and bring eternal life to all who put their trust in Jesus. And that might be you today. Maybe you have not really put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've done this church thing, and that happens to a lot of people. You know, I talk to a lot of parents all the time, and they're like, you know, when their kids are teenagers and stuff like that, and, and they'll be like, well, they were brought up in the church, but I remind them, everybody has to transact with God themselves. Everybody has to. You know, you can't do this thing. Well, you know, my grandma prayed the rosary every night. Big deal, right? Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. I can say a rosary faster than just about anybody. And I just, you know, I learned how to do that real quick. But that doesn't make a difference. You can't ride somebody else's wave into heaven. You have to transact with Jesus on your own. And parents, you need to explain that to your children, right? You're not Christian because you grew up in a Christian church. You're Christian because you have been born again, You because you are a new creation in Christ. Now, do I believe that can happen to a four or five-year-old? I actually do. I actually do. But 
plenty of people grow up, run away from God, and it doesn't happen till later in life. That happens, that's very common as well. And so we want to make sure we are very clear on these things. And so for the Apostle Paul, salvation places a heavy emphasis on the eternal. It's like he's saying, stay at it, okay? Stay at it. Use your gifts, Timothy. You might suffer, or you will suffer, but there's no death for you. And it seems that's what kept the Apostle Paul going, and he wants the same for you and for myself and for Timothy, and wants it for all of us. As Jesus said, you shall never die. Remember, this man, the Apostle Paul, is facing death. We said last week that tradition has it that he had his head chopped off. Like, could you think of like a worse way to go? We're like afraid, like, you know, I might be sick for a week, right? He had his head chopped off, yet he's writing with tremendous confidence because he knows that because of the cross and the resurrection that Jesus shares his immortality with us. That's what we're starting to get into on Sundays, that he shares his immortality with us. And what is that going to be like for us? And this is the good news we need to tell the world because the world doesn't want to talk about death, do they? And yet, the church has the answer. Verse 11 and 12, talking about the gospel, he says, to which I was appointed, remember the idea is by Jesus, he was appointed, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, verse 12, for this reason, because of what? Because of this call and because of spreading the gospel, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now, you might want to circle this or underline this in your Bible. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded, some versions say convinced, that he is able to keep what I have committed, some versions say entrusted to him until that day. When's that day? The second coming. So here the Apostle Paul reminds all of us that he was appointed to gospel service, to spread the good news, to teach the Lord's church. And the apostolic call was to pass the word of God on to us. The preacher's call, and I'm a fan of a preacher, may be somebody in a pulpit, but would be anybody really talking to someone else about the Lord. You don't have to sound preachy, but the preacher's job is to announce the good news And the teachers help us in understanding the Bible and living it out. Now, knowing that he will die soon, the Apostle Paul is passing that mantle. Remember we said last week, passing the baton to Timothy. And he's urging Timothy and the Bible reader, who would be who? Us, to continue in the same thing. I get the feeling that the Apostle Paul is saying, he's telling all of us, that we have a very close-knit, tight relationship to the gospel, right, that must be shared with other people. Now, what's happened in terms of the Bible is we call it the canon of Scripture. That's just the term that theologians use for it. And when we talk about the Bible, we say the canon of Scripture has been closed, A simple way of saying that is we have a completed Bible. 
That's the simple way to say it. And so we don't need apostles in that sense. We need apostolic ministry, but we don't need apostles. But what does the world need? The world needs heralds. What is a herald? It's someone who makes the announcement from the king. An ambassador. The apostle Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors pleading with you to be reconciled to God. The world needs ambassadors, and the church needs teachers to teach people, to equip people in understanding the Bible so they're able to answer questions and people will say, boy, this guy really seems to know his stuff. I mean, when I, I remember when I was a truck driver after years of sitting under teaching constantly and listening to Christian radio all day long and people would talk to me and I would, they would ask me these questions and they would, you know, people would be like, oh, I didn't realize I was talking to a theologian. And I'm like, no, you, you weren't. You just whatever. I was at a wedding. One of the guys who worked with me thought it was funny. He sat me next to the southeastern, I got to get my geography straight, the southeastern resident theologian of the Catholic Church. So we got into a little thing about John 6. And, oh, he was so frustrated with me. Because at that point in time, I basically kind of had most of it memorized. And I kept talking about the inconsistencies of his hermeneutic. Now, nobody at the table knew what I was talking about. A hermeneutic is the art and science of biblical interpretation. And he's like, you're not a pastor. I go, no, I own a trucking company. And the guy who got married works for you. I go, yeah. He's like, I can't believe you know all this stuff. And so he's getting frustrated with me. And so he gets up and he leaves. And he was so mad at me. So was my wife for talking to him the whole night, not her. But, uh, <laughs> but he gets up and he leaves. And everybody's like, dude, man. You, you cream that pat, you cream that priest. I go, no, no, we were having a nice, intelligent conversation. He goes, no, he was mad, man, because everything he came at you with, you just was like, oh, no, that's this, and that's this, and you're, you're inconsistent in your theology of this and that and the other thing. And he was just like, I know, I know, but that's what we're taught. And I'm like, he's like confessing to me. Um, <laughs> and so we, we become people who understand these things, and we want to be people who are announcing the good news. And you know what? That may need to happen with a lot of people many times. That's okay. We also need to be ready to explain it to people over and over and over again. And then for a lot of people, they hear it a lot of times, and then sometimes it clicks. Sometimes it clicks quickly for people. Other times it takes a lot of time. First uh, Peter 3.15, very well-known verse. You've got to know this one. I'm going to read it twice. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Let's go slowly. But sanctify, some versions say, regard as holy the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. We might say a reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, I try to remind myself about that verse when I think this. That's a verse that kind of runs through my mind when I talk with people about Jesus, that people won't ask me about my faith unless my hope is obvious. I want to just say that again. People will not ask me about my faith unless my hope is obvious. And so he ends it with meekness and fear. Some versions end it with gentleness and respect. And so we want to be not overbearing about it. We just almost, we would use our word almost casual about it. I mean, I can remember when I first, first people were first telling me about Jesus, the first time I heard it, I'm like, these people talk like they know him. Guess what? They did. 
They did. Verse 12 also, going back to 2 Timothy, tells us about the Apostle Paul's leadership, his preaching, his proclaiming and teaching the message of the grace of God. That's what he was in jail for. That's what he was in jail for. He knows that's why he has suffered a lot. It's almost like he's telling Timothy and he's telling us that with the call of Jesus Christ, there's going to be some suffering. And some people are going to make fun of you. You're going to hear them whisper behind your back, or they're going, to, they're going to be like, oh, he's one of those crazy Jesus people or something like that. Sometimes I heard people say that. I go, thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. Now, here's another thing, and you may not want to hear this, but suffering really thins the herd. You say, did you just call us a herd of cattle? Kind of, yeah. Suffering thins the herd. Suffering makes it easy to see who the true followers of Jesus are and those who are not. Yet the Apostle Paul is not ashamed of his suffering, nor is he going to stop serving the Lord because of his suffering. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.